0: Our ancestors in the faith waited for the Messiah to come. He had been promised. Prophets came. The Lord had spoken. They were waiting for this promised one. And then Jesus is born. And he lives and he ministers and he dies and he is resurrected. And you and I find ourselves in a space where we are now waiting for the Messiah to return. We wait and we don't like to wait. But what I have come to find out about waiting, what I have come to learn and understand about waiting, about being in process, about being on a journey, going to somewhere is really, it's in the waiting where God often does his best work. We get so fixated on the end goal We want to be on the other side. We want to be, we're at point A, we want to be at point B. God does a whole lot of work in that journey to get us ready to be the people we need to be so that when we get the thing we're waiting for, we are ready to receive it. And we know what to do with it. The bulk of our Christian life is spent waiting We are a people who are becoming. It is not the case that you accept Jesus and then you are just, hey, I got it. I'm good. Yes, you're going to go to heaven when he comes back. But God said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And so we are a people in process. We are becoming on a daily basis more like Christ. We are waiting until we are transformed. We are becoming. We are in process. We are on a journey. We are a people who wait. And God does some of his best best work in the waiting. And so that is what Advent is. And I hope that we will become a people who live more fully into this. And so this morning, I want to talk about one of the things, at least, that maybe you and I should be doing in the waiting. God has always sent a prophet. God has always sent someone to prepare the way, someone to say, hey, look, while you're in this in-between space, this is what ought to be happening. The prophets came to correct the church, or not the church, to to correct the people of Israel to say, what are you doing? You are off course. John came in the wilderness and he had a message of repentance. God is always sending people to be a voice calling in the wilderness, a voice in that space of waiting, saying to a people who are waiting, Hey, look, this is where you ought to be. This is what we need to be. And so I want to suggest to you this morning that as we wait, we ought not be a people who are complacent or comfortable because, well, we know Jesus. And so there it is. There's some things that you and I ought to be about in this period of waiting. And so we're going to look at that passage again from Luke chapter three. I'm going to read it through and then we'll spend some time there. So beginning with verse seven, it reads, John said to the crowd coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath, produce fruit in keeping with repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The ax is already at the root of the tree, and every tree that does not produce fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then, the crowd asked. John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none, and anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher. They asked, what should we do? Do not collect any more than you are required to. He told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. This is the word of God. Amen. And so the question that I want us to grapple with. If we are a people who are waiting and we are a people who have been made ambassadors of Christ, then what is our role as we prepare for Jesus' return? What are we to do in the space of waiting I said, God has always worked in this way. There are always a people who are sent to say something, to be a voice. And you and I are people, the church. We are the vessel that God has left behind to be a voice. But I want to suggest today that in addition to us being a voice to the unbelieving world out there, In addition to us being a light that shines, in addition to us being that witness that people can look to and say, there's something about that that I'm attracted to. I want to know what the light is in you. I want to know who this God you serve is. In addition to all of that, and we absolutely are to be a people who do that. But in this season, you and I are called to be a people who witness to us, to each other, to the church. When John was in the wilderness speaking his message of repentance, he wasn't talking to Gentiles. Most of the folk who came to see this crazy man in the wilderness who was dressed in fur and eating locusts, most of the people who came out to see him were people who were Jewish folk. These were folk who were waiting for the Messiah. These were folk who felt like they were these children of Israel. These were people who felt like they already knew what they were supposed to be doing and they were doing it. He came to his own people and he said, repent for the kingdom of God is near. In this season, as we wait, as we prepare, one of the things that I believe the church needs to be for the church is a voice that says, repent for the kingdom of God is near. See, we live in a season, we live in a time, we live in a historical moment where there are people who worship the same God that you and I worship who think it is completely appropriate, okay, right, and should be cheered on to tear gas folk at a border. We live in a moment where there are people who worship the same God that you and I worship, who think that it is absolutely okay if they live their lives to the fullest and living their lives to the fullest means getting whatever they can get as much of it as they want, spending it how they feel like they should spend it. And they will tell you that this is evidence I'm blessed. We live in a season where the church most of the time Doesn't look a whole lot different than the world. We do the same things. We like the same things. We just give it different language. It's not capitalism gone wild. This is the blessing of God. We live in a season where the church needs to hear from the church. Repent for the seat for the kingdom of God is near. In our text, John calls the people a brood of vipers. There's some vipers among us. I am convinced that the role that you and I should be playing in this in-between space, we ought to be a people who first and foremost stay on our faces before God so that we can hear what thus saith the Lord. And then we need to be a people who will boldly walk in the authority God has given us and open our mouths and speak truth to power. And we have to open our eyes to recognize that that power is often seated right in the same pews next to you in the chair is us. We have to be a people who call out, repent. The part of our passage today that stuck with me the most Is where John says to the people, don't, don't think that you can just rest on the fact that you are the children of Abraham. (laughs) Because I tell you now from rocks, God can raise up children for Abraham. I believe that's a word for us. Before I became a Christian, one of the things that I despised about Christianity is that it seemed like there were a bunch of people who were just so excited about heaven that they didn't care about what was happening before them. I grew up in a community where there were churches. And when I say churches, I mean literally churches, multiple churches on every block. There could be a church on this corner a liquor store right here, another church right there, maybe a hair shop a couple dollars down, and in front of the church, people would sell drugs and do all manner of things, did not care that the church was there, and the church didn't seem to care that they were there. We live in a time where the church has, in many cases, lost its voice. And maybe we haven't lost it, we just are quiet. We don't try. We cannot be a people who are so comfortable in the fact that we know Jesus and when he comes back, we're going to go to heaven or if we die first, we're going to go to heaven. We cannot be a people who get so comfortable with that, that we forfeit the gift God has given us of abundant life and abundant life isn't just abundance for me abundant life means that I care about what's happening to my brother and to my sister. I can't have abundant life. If my community is dying, I can't have abundant life. If my government officials have decided that they can just step on the backs of poor folk and nobody will say anything about it. I can't have abundant life. If we don't all have abundant life, living into that thing God has given us means we got to live into that thing. God has given us. In this season, we need to be a people who are not so comfortable that we have Jesus, that we don't bother to show Jesus to anybody else. And you don't show Jesus to people just with your words. You show Jesus by the way that you live by standing with your brothers and your sisters. We live in complicated times. Now, I don't know, but maybe I could assume because we've all chosen to be here that we probably have similar politics. But politics is complicated. You can have a very different opinion about what should happen with immigration than I do. And that's okay. You may have a different idea about what should happen at a border than I do. Whether or not how it should be protected or if it should be opened or closed. Like we, those are political questions and we can debate them. Let me tell you what we cannot debate as people of God. We cannot debate whether or not it's okay to tear gas children. We don't get to debate that. I mean, you you can. I mean, I guess you're American and you have a right to debate whatever you want to. But know that that's not a Christian debate. As people of God, we don't get to sit around and try to figure out how we ought to treat people. (laughs) We don't really get to decide whether or not we think it's okay to welcome a stranger because we serve a God who said, I welcome the stranger. So how it looks, what it looks like for us to welcome the stranger, those are issues that we can debate, but I'm not about to argue with you about whether or not we as people of God need to honor the full humanity of people. (laughs) But we live in a historical moment where in the church, these are matters that people think can be debated. I have heard Christians cheer for child separation and say with a straight face, well, they shouldn't bring their kids here in the first place. Again, as a red blooded American, you get to say whatever you want to say, but please know that that is not a Christian position. (laughs) In this season, as we wait As we sit in the space between the Messiah having come and the Messiah coming back, as we sit in this space, you and I are called to be a people who actively wait. And what I propose to you today is that our active waiting means being the voice that will speak out in the wilderness and say to people just like me and you, repent for the kingdom of God is near. And here's, here's the thing. It is super easy, especially for us, to hear a message like this and think, yes, absolutely, yes. Because we feel like we're justice-minded people. We feel like, you know, yeah, you shouldn't treat people bad. We love Jesus and we love justice. But let me tell you how you speak to people and you say repent. You yourself have to repent. Repent. The first folk we need to talk to, the first people we need to look at, the first hearts that we need to examine are our own. Because while we may think we have all the right opinions and all the right politics, you and I are people who are shaped and formed by a culture that says get while the getting is good. And if less we are actively resisting, then we are being complicit. And so we have to be a people who are not afraid to look at our own sin, to see the darkness, to see the ugly inside of us, to confess it, to name that thing and to then repent. And when we do that, two things happen. The first is that we have an honest perspective of who we are. And that's the only way that we can truly be desperate for God. Cause when you see who you are, <laughs> when you see your own ugly and your own sin, you know, you need a savior. The second thing, is that it allows the truth that we are called to speak, to be tempered with love and compassion. The analogy that I always think of is Jesus in the temple when he goes in and he's flipping over tables and he's angry because he says, you have turned what was supposed to be a house of prayer into this market, into this abomination. And he is angry. He turns over tables. And then you know what he does? He doesn't storm out of the castle. (laughs) He sits. And he teaches because he was deeply compassionate and he cared and he understood the frailty of our humanity and he understood our sin. And so yes, he turned over some tables and then he said, and he taught in love. You and I can't do that unless we see the ugly in our own hearts. We can't name other people's sin unless we can first name our own sin. And so in this space where we are waiting, desperately waiting for our savior to return, you and I need to be a people who not only speak the message of repentance out there, but who are on our faces before God so that the spirit can show us where we need to repent. And so this morning, um, as we take communion, I invite us to sit in that. So part of our our communion liturgy um, invites everybody to have a moment where we first confess our sins out loud. And then we always leave a little space for people to kind of sit quietly and and confess their sins. Um, and, And maybe I'm the only person who does this. But there have definitely been moments in my life where during that time where I'm supposed to be silently reflecting on my own sin, I find my mind going to all manner of places. And then right before the pastor says whatever they're about to say to wrap up that time, I'm like, yes, Jesus, and please forgive all my sins. So I want us to not do that. You may never have done that. But if you did just in this space, when we get to that, I'm going to allow for a little little more time. We're going to linger there. You don't have to confess. You don't have to say it out loud to somebody else right now. You might not be ready to do that. But I do want us to take some time and to sit first in silence so that we can hear what the spirit might reveal. And then to actually repent. Of our sins. Amen. Amen. It is now our sacred privilege to celebrate the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. All who humbly put their trust in Christ and desire his help that they may lead a holy life. All who are truly sorry for their sins and would be delivered from them. All who would walk in love with their neighbor and intend to live a new life following the commandments of God and walking from now on in his holy ways are invited to draw near with faith to receive this holy sacrament. Come to this sacred table, not because you must, but because you may come to testify, not that you are righteous, but that you are but that you sincerely love our Lord Jesus Christ and desire to be his true disciples. Come not because you are strong, but because you are weak, not because you have any claim on the grace of God. But because in your frailty and sin, you stand in constant need of God's mercy and help. Come not to express an opinion, but to seek God's presence and pray for the spirit. So we're now going to confess our sins together and the prayer will come on the screen. And then I'm going to invite you to sit and have a moment with the Lord.